Hey everybody, I just want to take a moment to talk about a new thing I'm doing. Over the years, many of you have reached out to me telling me how much you love the podcast, but also wish there were more personalized takeaways and more in-depth interactions with our guests to hear what they think about comedy. This is why I'm now launching my new digital academy, Blueprint for Success. With exclusive interviews and comedy philosophies of stars and industry veterans, personalized versions of the Industry Standard podcast, commercial-free, and one-on-one coaching time with me. Blueprint for Success will give you the powerful tools that will take you up the elevator beyond the competition and reach the highest possible levels to achieve your dreams. Whether it be stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, hosting, radio podcasting, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or an agent. Now I'm here to help, personally. We'll go on an express train of comedy and entertainment like nobody else has before. You can find out more about Blueprint for Success and the comedy business on my website at barrycats.com. Together, we'll take your career where you want it to go. When I originally became a comedian, I think I just wanted like love and attention. But then when you get that from your friends, you don't really need to chase fame as much, but you'd like to be recognized for your talent. Like I'd like to be recognized more and and do more. But you're not like like some comedians where they don't if they don't reach a certain level of fame, they're going to, you know, go crazy or do something. You, You like get enough peace and serenity in your life that you. Uh, are okay no matter what. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. We have a great show today, part two of Tracy McDonald. I know you're going to be blown away by a lot of the stuff we talk about. And before I get started, I just want to let you know that I thank you again and again and again. I'm not going to stop. You guys are amazing. And for those of you coming for the first time, welcome. Enjoy it. Thanks for subscribing and passing it on to your friends. And I hope you have as good a time as we do here. And when I look at Tracy McDonald, I see somebody who has been through a great deal The comedy business is hard. There's incredible highs and incredible lows and everything in between. And the work that you need to put in to get to where you need to go is incredible. And sometimes you need a little luck mixed with a little opportunity and a little preparation. And it all happens. And for her, was in Canada, gutting it out, came to the United States with less than $100 in her pocket and ended up winning the new incarnation of Star Search on CBS with Arsenio Hall, $100,000, and then won the champion's round for another $100,000. An incredible story, but sometimes things don't always go the way you want them to go. Sometimes you audition for shows and late night shows and specials and there's one person who makes the decision at each place and 
they don't particularly vibe with your sense of humor. And you have to keep going and believe in yourself and your material and your content or who you are as a person, no matter what profession you're in. But then life throws other battles at you. Depression, alcohol, self-esteem. And in Tracy's case, added to all that, cancer. How is it possible to work in a business as tough as this and get through and break through and win with all the forces against you? And then you add on the forces that life brings to the table. And it's daunting, but not for Tracy. When you're around Tracy, always a smile, always funny, always has that original, unique take. When you see her on stage, you will never, ever accuse her of not being original and of her material not being incredibly well-written. As she forges past the final chemotherapy and radiation treatments to beat cancer, what's she doing? Is she lying in bed all day feeling sorry for herself? No. She's writing and working every day on her newest album. It's a great example of when we all look in the mirror sometimes and think that we're having a tough day. All I can tell you is if you forge the path similarly to what I've just told you and put all of that aside and move forward, to the goal of a higher level, I guarantee you, you'll have the possibility, no matter how much money you have in your bank account, of winning major competitions in your field, working at the highest level side by side by some of the greatest people in your profession, and you'll have the possibility of the kind of career and life that Tracy McDonald has. Here we go in three, two. This show will have laughter. I got everybody pregnant with Barry Katz and semen. I'm not comfortable with the tone this is taking. If you're undeniable, you will not be denied. If you want to be successful in show business, you get yourself a Jew white manager like Barry Katz. <laughs> Being a manager is just turning no's into yeses. Creating holy shit moments. Undeniable. You fucking firing me up, Katz. I love this man. Is there anything else I should know? You're on. What? Now I'm on the air. Barry Katz. Back in the house. 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 Let's do this. Take us through the first treatment. What is chemotherapy exactly? How is it administered to you? How long does it take? What are you feeling when it's happening? And what are you feeling the days and afterwards until your next one? It's so my veins are very small. I don't want to brag, but my veins are (laughs) super skinny and small. They're. Tell your friends. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) My veins are petite, and uh, so they can't take in chemo, so they have to give you... uh uh, like portacath, it's like a, I know, it's it's like a small mouse. So they have to put a port in you. They're like, we have to put a port in you. The same day that they're doing the keynote. No, before. the doctor, Dr. Ho, takes one to know one. Dr. Ho sat me down and said, <laughs> we have to put a port in you. And I don't want to scare anyone because I know one in, you know, one in three women get breast cancer. I don't want to scare them. And if anyone's going through it, they can email me and I'll help them the whole way. But the scariest part that I didn't know 
is getting the port surgery. It's so terrifying. And I had to get it twice because the first time it broke. I think it was a new new doctor. But um, but yeah, they have to put that in you to administer the chemo. But what's a port surgery? What did the, what do they do? Um, I still have it in actually. Uh, I don't want to scare people. You lie on a table, you're awake and you lie on a table and you have to move your head and they, they cut a hole. They cut a hole right so they can get right above your chest and near your vocal cord and they put a tube down and then they put like a little, it's like a little mouse so that they can put the needle in there. I still have it in. I hate it, but I mean, it saved my life. I shouldn't say I hate it. Um, and they put it on the opposite side of the, where the lump is. Yes. They put it on the opposite side. Why is that? I don't know. I didn't ask. I don't know. Maybe it's safer on that side. Okay. So you're in pain with the port surgery. And then how long after that do you do the chemo? Um, oh, pretty quickly after. Um, God, a few days. There was When they had to do the second surgery, I had to get chemo that same day. Okay, so but, take our audience through what it's like to get chemo and what happens and what the whole process, not only of how it happens, how long it is, but also what you're feeling as it's happening and what you're feeling that, that night and the days after. Okay. Uh, well, when they originally told me I was going to get chemo, they were gonna, she was going to sit me down and tell me all the side effects. And I said to the nurse, I go, Rose, you know what? I've had a long day. I just give me the side effects on paper and I never read them which is crazy because I didn't get a lot of the side effects so I didn't want to read them um so you yeah you show up and you sit in a chair and there's a lot of people there a lot worse off than you a lot of older people and they get they get a really long needle and they put it in there put it in the port so you're in a room with a bunch of people doing this mm-hmm. lots of people you don't have your own separate room you're in a room with no lo- it's emergency medical no it's uh yeah and um it was a tough room i was trying to make them it's the toughest crowd i was trying to make them laugh um i definitely tried to make the nurses laugh i tried to keep it really light there you, you could see the people that gave up like it's just like like i think if i wasn't i think being a comedian and dating comedians prepared me for chemo and also you being my manager like that that like that in comparison so the needle goes in how long is the process i just plan um it's like a couple i think it's an hour and a half and what are you feeling inside as the chemicals are going inside you they put um they put not Claritin. They put like some kind of Claritin or Benadryl in it. They used to put liquid Benadryl. Then they stopped. But I, uh, you know, I don't, I don't drink or do drugs. I haven't in a long time. So for me, it was, it was like the Benadryl kind of made me like kind of buzz. Like I was kind of like, uh, which was good. So first. no pain. You don't feel pain from chemo. No. no. What about after? After. You never, ever, ever feel pain from chemo. Maybe if people get it in their veins, I don't know, but I never felt pain. People think you get the chemo. You get, you feel pain when they're first putting the needle in. Like, they're like, take a breath and they... But they're pumping in stuff to kill the cancer cells. I know, but it doesn't hurt. That doesn't hurt. hurt you inside? It makes you have... It makes you feel jumpy because that... It makes you feel like... So all through every treatment never. and the time in between, you never felt nauseous? You never felt anything? Uh, they give you pills for nausea and that make you want to eat which is why like I remember 
when they told me I'm going to get chemo, I was like, am I going to lose weight? Am I going to lose weight? Like I asked that a million times. They were like, actually, the size you are is perfect because you're going to get seven months of chemo. And if you were thinner, it could kill you kind of thing. So they said it's a really positive thing. And I was like, oh, okay. So they um, told you you were going to lose your hair after the first treatment. They said in three weeks, your hair will be gone. And what happened? And I loved my hair. I don't know if you remember, but I know Beautiful I dyed it. Beautiful hair. I dyed dad had a lot of colors but i never cut my hair i remember my father when i was like 14 making me and my my twin sister get this really short haircut and i i was like i will never cut my hair again so um they said you're gonna lose your hair in three weeks and i had like still had lots of hair after you know i was bragging everyone i was like first of all chemo didn't even make me sick i got my hair and then the last two days of the three weeks just started coming out just like like, I remember I lost my phone. I was at Target and my hair was just, oh, shit. It was just, it just started coming out. And what do you just run your fingers through your hair? And, and just you... a big, like, and I called a bunch of people and said, want to come, like, pull a Britney, want to come shave my head? And people, they're like, no. <laughs> Nobody wanted to come shave my head. One of my friends was at, actually, she literally was at an AA meeting and, and I said, I need to shave my head. I need to shave my head. And she borrowed a razor from some dude, some random dude at the meeting and she came over here because a big chunk came out and it was like a big bald spot. And she came over and she shaved like, yeah, she shaved, she tried to do kind of like a mohawk. And then I was like, I can't, I can't do the, like, let me do the rest. Just, she's like, I'll just keep the razor here and you do the rest. So she did it. And then we hung out for a bit. And then after she left, I did it. And throughout the process, are the doctors telling you, hey, it's looking good. You're, you're recovering. It looks very positive. Or what are they telling you? Okay. So they said to me, even when I first got diagnosed, you're going to live to be a cranky old lady. Is what the, got, the doctor said when I first got diagnosed. And why did he say that? Because I said, Am I, well, I, I, I said, so what does this mean? He goes, don't worry, you're going to live to be an old lady, a cranky old lady. I said, I'm cranky now. But so I didn't think I was going to die or anything, but they had to do a genetic test to make sure I don't have the aggressive kind. I have the uh, the estrogen kind. So I can't have soy milk. Um, and they have to kind of shut down your estrogen. So you finish the treatments and what's the diagnosis? What happened? They finish the treatments that makes you very, very, very tired. It made me very tired. It's the only thing. So kind of like normal. <laughs> uh, but what did it do for the cancer in your breast? Okay, like, it shrinks it. So there was a tumor, but it also went on my lymph nodes, which is bad. It trapped, the lymph nodes trap the cancer. So it was in my lymph node, which if it gets to your lymph nodes, it can spread to the rest of your body. So I was stage 2B. If you're 4, you're kind of fucked, right? But so um, I was in my lymph nodes too. So the a lot of people are like, just smoke pot, don't do chemo, you know, all this stuff. But the chemo shrinks the tumors so it's like chalk, like shrinks it. Really, it shrunk it. And then they can take it out and save your boob, which I'm single. I got to save these. It's my moneymakers. So... That's how I got this apartment. So uh, <laughs> just look for me on bigboobs.com. So sorry, when we're, it's weird because when we're talking about it, it brings me back to being exactly there. It's crazy. But I didn't really freak out when I lost my hair. I remember the Lyft driver was a guy that I used to date. And he's like, Tracy, I can't do accents. But he was like, Tracy, I miss you. Are you still single? I go, yeah, dude, I'm single. But my hair's coming out. I got to go shave my head. I have breast cancer. I hadn't seen him in a couple of years. And he goes, I don't care about your hair. And I, I was like, I'm still getting asked out, even even though my hair's coming out. So it 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 made me kind of see it 
I don't know. It made me see a lot of things because when I lost my hair, I, I remember I like just put it in a Target bag and put it out in the trash. Like it was, it was like, I just got to get rid of it and get this over with. But um, yeah, as I was going through it, um, different people and different friends were with me through the, through the whole way. But uh, so chemo didn't hurt. When that was over, they did the surgery uh, where they took it out and they said they got everything. And the surgery was one of those things where you're on a table too when you're not in the hospital and an No, no, I was in the hospital for a couple nights. Aunt came to see me. Aunt is the comedian from Last Comic Standing, openly gay. He roasted me. So I'm in the hospital. I've got, after the surgery, I lost my eyebrows and eyelashes. I don't know why, but I had no eyebrows, no eyelashes, no hair. And Aunt always teased me anyway and said, you're always the victim. You're always, he goes, you're desperate. That's why you're not famous. You're desperate. So funny. I guess someone told him I'm in the hospital. So he came and he had a mask on and he goes, he takes it off and he goes, they thought I was a fucking doctor. This place is ghetto. <laughs> so he just goes, you look like the guy from Powder. Like, and he's like, oh, you finally lost a little weight. Like now you're really the victim. He just fucking roasted me and it really cheered me up. I loved it. I love Ant. So he's like, I didn't even know. I, and he took me grocery shopping once throughout it. But he, yeah, he just made fun of me. But, um... Yeah, I, I, I tried to play the cancer card dur- during it. Like I, you know, when I'd see the landlord, I'd cough, you know, because I wouldn't want to <laughs> raise the rent. I tried to get a free milk- makeover at Mac. I go, how much for a makeover? The place was packed because I was bald. I was re- it made me really cranky and angry, angry at the beginning. And uh, he goes, it's $60. And I go, what if you have breast cancer? And he goes, it's still $60. <laughs> so I like tried to milk it, but people... Didn't really treat me any differently. And then I wore wigs and I thought all these Hasidic Jews in this neighborhood, these women that wear wigs, I always felt for them. Like it's so hot and they're wearing wigs and over their hair. They're so like hot out there. And then I, I remember seeing a woman and she's like, are you going to synagogue? And I was like, oh no, I'm not a Hasidic Jew. I, cause I wear dark clothes a lot. I was like, no, I'm a, I'm a comedian with cancer. So take the audience through the day when you found out that they got rid of it the doctor had to have sat down with you and said tracy this is the good news he did i knew he would he's an excellent doctor um i mean i felt good but then you're still in pain you know surgery is it was painful when i came back it was like a recovery process but um i did feel good but then i found out i but then i still had to do the radiation so it kind of i didn't feel good till the last Till the radiation was over. And this is a radiation process. How does that work? I hated the radiation. I finished it on April 15th. I had to get 33 radiations. Could you tell our audience what it is to get radiation? What's the process? Sure. Um, Are you in that room with a whole bunch of people again? No, I have to lie there with my boob out. Okay. But luckily, my the radiologist guys were gay. So they were like, breathe in, breathe out. And you have to, my heart is close to my boob. And so you have to breathe in or the radiation will hit your heart. Speaking of heart, that's what happened. I think when my dad died, my heart broke and then I got sick right here because they say it can be emotional too. But so this is the saddest fucking podcast ever. So, um, yeah, you have to you have to lie down and put your arm up and then just take your boob out. Of course, I made a lot of jokes with those guys, but they were fantastic. Tell me one of your jokes that you made to those guys. I just was like, not like I haven't lied down like this before. Oh, you guys are seeing my boob. It's going to turn you straight. Oh, do I look okay? I was just like, it burns you though. It burnt me. It, it, 
It burns your skin or the it inside? It burns your skin. It, it burns. It, I had bur- I. And what is it, like a laser beam? What it's is like the- a laser beam, but when I had cuts from surgery, it takes away the scars. It took away the scars from the surgery because it's a laser beam. I didn't open my eyes the whole time. I Does that op- make you feel nauseous and sick inside to the radiation? Uh, no, it just makes you feel hot and extremely tired. Like you want to sleep for seven hours after radiation. Like I'd go, I'd say to Sarah, I'm going to take a nap and then... Um, seven hours later, I'd wake up every single day. And even, yeah, the, even when it's over and it ended April 15th. So, and what did they say to you after it was all over? It is over, but you, you have to do most. Okay. So most women do a five year pill after a five year pill. Yeah. I have to take a pill for five years every day. Yeah. But that didn't start yet. So most women take something called tamoxifen, which kind of shuts down everything. But they said, do you want to do a trial instead? And I said, yep. yep. Oh, also, I make a joke in my act. I'm like, I didn't even get sick from chemo. I'm a comic. I ate lean cuisines for 10 years and drank Diet Coke. Like, as if I'm going to, I did more drugs on a Tuesday. Okay. So, yeah, I'm definitely cured for now. But then they sit you down. So there's nothing, no evidence of any cancer. There's no evidence of anything. But they're like, they're like, there's... They said there's cells that that hibernate and they're attracted to estrogen. I said, okay, so where's the estrogen? They're like, it's in your fat cells. So I'm like, fuck. So there's estrogen um, is what attracts it where it could come back. So I'm doing a trial. (laughs) It's not going to sound fun, but they shut down your ovary like you. I'm doing a trial which they think could cure early stage breast cancer. So I'm doing a five year trial instead, which is less side effects. It could just be three years and. I said, sign me up for the trial, which I'm going on the road and then I'm doing the trial. So I have a month where I don't have any pills or anything. Let's go way back briefly and take us through where you grew up. What was the socioeconomic dynamic of your household financially? And then what was your first influence into wanting to get in this crazy business? My dad said I had a really funny. He had a really funny Uncle Ralph and that I take after him. But um, I grew up with, uh, well, I have a twin sister too. I grew up with five sisters and two brothers, two sets of twins, so eight kids. And it was like a three-bedroom house in Nova Scotia. And my dad was a teacher and my mom was an operating room nurse. But then when she had all the kids, she stayed home. And um, this is going to make me sound old, but we we literally had to walk like over two miles to school and walk home for lunch. And go home for lunch and go back. But um, so it was scary during the snow the, the, when it was winter. Because my mom would put, I mean, we were kind of broke, but I remember in the winter she'd put like bread bags on our feet so we, our feet wouldn't get wet. I grew up there and yeah, my dad was always really funny. My dad used to do, like I said, radio and, and commercials. And uh, before he'd go off to work, I would stand up on the coffee table and be like, listen to me, listen to me. And I remember when I was five or six, my sisters were having a birthday party and they were like, we're going to have ketchup and mustard on our hot dog. What do you want? I'm like, I want peanut butter. (laughs) And I got a reaction. So I, I think I always wanted a reaction out of people. And I always wanted my dad's attention and my mom's attention. And I, when I stood on the table, I got their attention. And I think that was where the first comedy thing started. I also, when I was nine, I signed this piece of paper for my friend, Karen Wasson. She brought it to one of my shows in Calgary at the Comedy Cave. But I go, here's my autograph, Karen. 
she was like, what's it for? When we were nine. She goes, what's it for? I go, I don't know, but I'm going to be famous. And then she brought it to the comedy club. At, I was playing like, a, no offense to the comedy cave. I don't think I'll play there again, but it was kind of a mediocre comedy club. But you still have to get to the point where you go on stage for the first time. What happened? Oh, the first time I went on stage... I was uh, going to St. Francis Xavier University. It's in Anaganish, Nova Scotia. And I was dating this guy in my freshman year, kind of seeing this guy, Oliver Watson. And he wasn't interested in me anymore. We weren't like dating, but we liked each other. And then he's like, I'm not interested. And then he said to me, oh, my God, there's a comedy contest. Some girl went in it. And she was terrible. She's like, muscadabit is mosquito bite. Like, that was one of her jokes. And he's like, I, I don't. I don't even know if women are funny or something like that. And then I told my friends there's a comedy contest going up, coming up. And they said, you got to go in it. You got to go in the comedy contest. Even just to spite him. But you're funny. You should do it. And um, I wore a rainbow sweater. I remember I wore a rainbow sweater. I think they still, maybe they still have the video somewhere. But I wore a rainbow sweater. I drank six beer before I got on stage. And I did my show. You drank went, six, beers. six beers. How old were you? I was 19. 19. Were you drinking every day then? No. No. I wasn't drinking every day. So you go on stage drunk? Yes. Okay. And how did it go? It went great. <laughs> it went great. Honestly, not just because I was drunk. I had jokes about the football team. I had my set planned out. I practiced it with a hairbrush in front of the mirror. I'd watch Johnny Carson. Like, I'd watch the... What comics do you remember watching? From I don't remember. But I just remember sitting on the stairs to watch it. And I just remember when I did my set, I had my set list ready. Like I had my one-liners in my set list. When did you stop doing whatever day jobs you were doing and just do comedy? I think pretty much one year before Star Search, I quit my job. And then I got all, and then I won all that money. Hey everybody, let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success. It's a project I've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition. Whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, radio, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or agent, Blueprint for Success will give you all the tools you need to take your career to the highest levels. With exclusive interviews, my top 50 commercial-free episodes from Industry Standard, one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, and unprecedented access into my knowledge and experience from over 40 years in this crazy business. I guarantee you that with Blueprint for Success, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I want to do it because I want to help you become truly undeniable. So just go to barrycats.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever. Hey, everybody. I've talked a lot about AquaTrue on this show, the amazing water purification system that's literally a miniature water cooler in your home that purifies the water in a way that no one else has ever figured out how to do. It's this incredibly efficient piece of equipment, and it gives you the best tasting water you can ever imagine for pennies. 
you just take it out of the box, plug it in, put your tap water in it, and it takes out all the bad chemicals and gives you the best and healthiest water you can ever imagine, saving you thousands of dollars each year from buying bottled water in the store. I have one at my house and office and Everyone who uses it orders one, and you should too. Just go to industrystandardwater.com and type in the promo code Barry, and if you act now, you can get $100 off and start enjoying the best and most cost-effective water you've ever had, and never waste another dollar buying bottled water again. I just want to share another groundbreaking product with you. It's a revolutionary air purifier that will change the way your home operates. And I'm talking about the Air Doctor. The air inside our home can be up to a hundred times more polluted than the air outside. But with the Air Doctor, you don't have to worry about it as it removes dust, pet hair, mold, pollen, flu viruses and so many other contaminants that circulate throughout our homes. Till now, the only thing that could come close to this product were systems that cost thousands of dollars. But now you can get the Air Doctor for a fraction of the cost, normally $600. And if you don't believe me, check Amazon. But for a limited time, I can give you 50% off and save you $300. Just go to airdoctorpro.com, type in the promo code Barry, and get rid of all the bad toxins in your home. I'm telling you, I have this product. It really, really works. So get one now and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air you can ever imagine. One, Six degrees of separation. Six degrees of separation. I'm going to mention some names. Tell me what comes to mind. Okay. Tiffany Haddish. Oh, my God. Tiffany Haddish. I'm a big... I've seen all her movies. I feel like every time I look at a billboard, I see Tiffany Haddish. And I'm actually a fan of her. I haven't seen her stand-up in a while, but I, I've seen probably every movie she was in. And her and I, I think, had the same agent at the time I don't know exactly when it was it was obviously before she made it big but I remember she goes he showed me your stuff today you're so funny I love your delivery I love your jokes I love your material awesome and I remember that George Lopez George Lopez I opened for him at the ice house for six shows and everybody was like and I, I did amazing. I did like a half an hour before him. And everybody was, he had to almost hide in the green room because everybody was, he got a standing ovation. Everybody was like, oh my God, you're so amazing. You're so amazing. After the show, everyone to talk to him. And I was trying to play it cool. Like I didn't say anything because I was just trying to be, you know, cool or whatever you're supposed to be, you know, just you're supposed to be act like you're at the same level as that person. And so then after we were all done, he goes, so how do you think I did? <laughs> I go, what? You're George Lopez. Great. And he goes, just checking. <laughs> Russell Peters. Oh, Russell Peters. So I remember doing just for laughs with him. I think it was his first time doing it. And I just remember he had a really nice, expensive looking like watch and shirt. And I just go, wow, you look nice. And he's like, it's all about the accessories and fake it till you make it. 
And now he's huge. Louis Anderson. <laughs> Louis Anderson. Louis Anderson had me over at his to his place for breakfast, and I was all like excited. I was like, I should really diet for a few days before I go to Louis Anderson's, and then <laughs> I went to his house because he saw my set and thought I was funny, and I went to his place, and he's like, "Here's a Danish." <laughs> <laughs> write a book um don't be so hard on yourself and he's like this is where i this is where the comics stay when a guy who's won three humanitas awards and two emmy awards and is a generational stand-up comic who's got more specials than i have fingers on my hands tells you that it's that old expression show me who you're with and I'll show you who you are. So whenever you're feeling down or anything like that, just replay that breakfast with Louis Anderson because geniuses don't invite losers to their house for breakfast. They invite people that they perceive as being as great a joke writer. He said, as they "I are. remind him of him." He said that. He said, "You remind me of me when I was like when I was younger." Your favorite joke that you've ever written? Tell our audience. One of my favorite jokes, and a lot of comedians will say it's their favorite joke of mine. It seems like kind of a basic joke, but I just I talk about being new to LA, and I walk into Starbucks, and they're like, "Cappuccino, short, low, fat, single." I'm like. I just wanted a coffee. No need to judge. <laughs> and I knew that when I did that joke, I'd win the Star Search show. But I think I, I even had a comic roast another comic and he said, can I borrow that joke? Um, so I think that's one that I'm, that one kind of changed my life. I remember Joan Rivers doing an interview saying her jokes were like her babies. I was like, that's a bit much, but <laughs> that's a bit much, but that's what she would say. But, um, I don't know. I have one now that I do because they really told me this during chemo. They're like, are you sexually active? Because you need to make sure that he uses a condom because chemo can come out of your vagina. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? And they were like, the chemo can come out and it's like radio, radioactive and it can burn the guys, you know, dick. And I was like, where's my ex-boyfriend? But um, that is like. When they told me that, I just, I don't know. I was fascinated by it. And I obviously I put it in my act. Sober versus sobriety. Sober versus sobriety. Um, and how it relates to you. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, sober. Sober is just if somebody's like, if somebody is an alcoholic or drug addict and they're sober, I'm not saying I am. It's anonymous, but if, <laughs> but there could be a place where they have meetings that start with an A. That's what, uh, that's what I heard someone say once. And, uh, and I think if you're a drug addict or an alcoholic and you're sober, um, you're just not drinking, but you might have other, have other issues like, I don't know, shopping or gambling or, or you might still have like the rage issues. But if, so, if your sobriety is, you're probably working a 12-step program where you admitted that you need help. You confess all your resentments that you had since you were a kid to another person and and forgive people. And you meditate daily. Um, 
and you do the work. So it's kind of like you have a shield around you at all times. What made you finally decide to do that? Well, when I won all that money, the comedians in Canada placed bets on when I was going to die because I had a drinking problem. <laughs> I had a bad drinking problem. What's a bad drinking problem? I couldn't stop drinking. Um, yeah, I couldn't stop drinking. I couldn't quit. Like, I, I wasn't drinking in the day or when I woke up in the morning, but like before a gig or after a gig, I couldn't. What's the most you drink in one night? I, I couldn't even tell you how many. Um, I drank like, I could drink you under the table, Barry, probably. Ten drinks? Maybe like six. And so what happened to make you stop? There has to be a moment when something happens. Well, I got banned from comedy clubs in Canada. But you got banned because you bombed because you were drunk? Never bombed. I never so bombed. So why would you get banned? I never bombed. And now somebody's going to challenge me on that. Why would you get banned? <laughs> uh, I got banned because my drinking, I just always had like alcohol and and pot and like pills in my bag. And so they knew, like the brand new comics, they'd be like, the new comics look up to you, but you're... Um, usually like asking people for drinks or whatever. Like in Canada, here's what's crazy. I mean, I'm pretty short. Like in Canada, they would give us two free pints before we went on. And a pint is giant. And I'm not blaming that on, on my problem, but uh, yeah. So I just got used to drinking. Like I said, I got used to drinking before I went on stage. And then when I move out, moved out here and had all that money, it got way worse. Like the bartender, bartenders were like, you're an alcoholic. Um, even the bartender would say it to me. And uh, I had this comedian come up to me at a July 4th party. And he said, are you trying to get sober? We're all going to a meeting tonight, me and a bunch of comedians. I was like, what? Comedians? Sober? Like, what? <laughs> There's no such thing. I didn't understand it. And I said, I'm not going tonight. I'm getting drunk. But I said, this is my last... It's the last time I ever drank, and I had my hat under the keg, and I woke up with this comedian, and I said, if I ever, I remember saying, if I ever wake up with you, I'm never drinking again, and I woke up in his bathrobe, and I haven't drank since, so that was like uh, almost 14 years ago. Do you rock still talk bottom. to him? His name is Jeff Richards. He knows he's my rock bottom. I don't think he's going to listen to this, but. Jeff Richards, Saturday Night Live, Mad TV. I will say that's been a huge part of my my life and hell is the reason why i have this apartment it's the reason why i have everything i think um sobriety yeah it's the reason why i have everything and it's the reason why i wrote all this new material and i'm kind of back and not that i went anywhere but i feel like i just feel like i i've changed with all this this cancer scare and everything that's happened to me so your proudest moment in show business? My proudest moment in show business, I think was after going through all this, after going through all this shit recently and having like a sh shorter now, it's a little bit longer now, but having like a shaved head and just going to the comedy magic club and doing like all new material and just be like, not giving a fuck. You know what I mean? Just be like, I don't even have hair and fuck you kind of thing. I think that my proudest moment is just being like, it's not about, I thought it was so much about, it's an inside job. Like they say, the call, call is coming from inside the house. So my proudest moment was when I realized that and recently, and then of course you meet people in the audience that are, have gone through the same thing. So, I mean, I think I'd say, I think I'd say that or... I don't know. Anytime I've, 
you, you have to be considered to get a work visa to, to as a Canadian, you have to prove extraordinary ability as a comic. And I've always been able to prove that, you know, that I have extraordinary, extraordinary ability as a comic. And I don't know, just having my, I mean, I know, I don't know if Jay Leno plays there every Sunday, but the comedy and magic club, when they have all the, you know, com- famous comedians up on the, when everyone's waiting and they have the comedians up and they have my picture up there, you know, when they're at the beginning of the show and just being from Canada and just, I don't know, every day that I get to be in LA and be in this apartment, I go, oh wow, my, my jokes did this, my act did this, my belief in myself did this. Uh, and I think when I originally became a comedian, I think I just wanted like love and attention. But then when you get that from your friends, you don't really need to chase fame as much, but you'd like to be recognized for your talent. Like I'd like to be recognized more and and do more, but I'm not, you're not, you're not like, like some comedians where they don't, if they don't reach a certain level of fame, they're gonna, you know, go crazy or do something. You, you like get enough peace and serenity in your life that you uh, are okay no matter what. Your biggest disappointment in show business and how you used it to fuel yourself to the next level. I had a comedian in Canada do this, have this website, and he had a lot of stuff about me on there after I moved and did Star Search and moved out here in L.A. And he somehow got a picture of me doing comedy at this coffee shop. Maria Banford, a bunch of comics, would do this coffee shop. But he put a picture of me at this coffee shop up on this website and said, look where Tracy McDonald's playing. And look what Tracy McDonald's doing or Tracy gained weight, like all this stuff about me. And that it disappointed me that I didn't have like some big level of fame, but that somebody cared enough to do this whole like website thread about me and hate me so much. And when I I think I actually called him when his mom passed away and said, I'm sorry to hear about your mom. And he said, I hope you're next. (laughs) He said, he said, I hope you're next. And he just never, he just, after I started doing well, he just didn't like me. And I just said, dude, what's your problem? And he goes, I just always wish I would have moved to LA or I wish I would have tried harder. And I'm like, well, go do it then. I don't know. But that was a big disappointment to me because it, it was, it was like, why are people so mean and bully people online? This has nothing to do with show business, I guess, but being in show business you can open yourself up to being hurt by people. I can't even imagine the level of like people that are really big, what people might say about them. But I think, um, I mean, I was really disappointed that I, I know most people wouldn't care, but I was really disappointed that I didn't get on the Letterman show. I, I, I blew the audition out of the park and I, I don't know why Eddie Brill didn't pick me, but um, I remember going back to New York to audition again, and I didn't have a lot of money. I don't even think I had a winter coat with me. <laughs> and I don't know, I just, yeah, he. I went and auditioned again. He's like, you still didn't get it. <laughs> it's just like, um, just, yeah, just disappointed with things like that. Like people thinking I write, wrote an email or not being able to, having a new booker at a club and I can't get in, you know, there's a new booker at the improv and I'm like, I live right here, right by the improv. And I, I think, yeah, having to be my own 
boss and my own man manager and my own agent awesome your last question what advice do you so have for the young here. comedian who's starting out in some small town somewhere is walking the school in the snow whatever and has a dollar and a dream and to be able to get to the point where people notice you do great things you're on the big stage you compete and you exceed all expectations and you can win competitions and you can work theaters and you can do great material and do things like that and get to the next level what advice do you have for somebody like that but also somebody who's going through adversity that they can't control like what you went through sure you can control sobriety but you can't control breast cancer okay if it's a new comedian I would definitely say to them, I say this to all new comedians, but I just say, please don't drink at the club. Like, just don't drink at the club. Don't don't let them see you like drunk. Um, this is going to make me sound old fashioned, but I like when comics dress up. I'd love to dress. I even didn't do comedy for a while because I wasn't feeling well, but also because I didn't have hair. Like I like to have my hair done, like even with with the wigs. Like I, I like to look a certain way where I'm dressed up on stage with my makeup and all that. So I like when, like, Ryan Stout wears a suit. I don't know. I like when comedians dress up. I would say don't, I would say don't care so much what the comedians think of you. Because I always cared so much what the comedians thought of me that it made it harder. And, uh, and unless it's somebody you look up to. And I'd say, yeah, not that they're necessarily going to, you know, have a drinking problem or anything, but just if you're, you know, working the clubs and you want to get better and you want to get noticed, don't, you know, just drink somewhere else, but don't drink when you're there. Don't drink before. I, I don't even think drink after. Uh, not that they would necessarily listen to me. Um, and what else would I tell them? Yeah, don't don't let anybody, you know, if, if people are bullying you, just um, let that piss you off and make you... <laughs> want to get better i don't know that's i think that's what i would tell them okay sorry i just thought i should say that since um i would say like in adversity anybody that's listening to this especially anybody that you know knows someone that's going through cancer or you're going through a hard time as as hard as it is well first of all you're gonna hear the old saying is one day at a time but sometimes it's like one hour at a time one minute at a time and don't like don't future trip like people are always like past tripping or future tripping just like like what time is it like i saw sitting here even though the apartment's kind of hot right now but where are we like we're here right now like try to try to stay in the now and you know just appreciate everything you have in the moment and people and you know, stay positive and have a good sense of humor and you'll get through it. Tracy McDonald, thank you for inviting me in your home. I love it here. I love you. I've always loved you. You're Aww. a huge part of my life and I I'm grateful you that you invited me in here. Okay, I'm going to scroll through the list of people who sent me a message and one of these people will be a lucky winner and they'll get to attend a podcast live with one of my guests, meet them, shake their hand, ask them a few questions, or else if they're out of town, out of state, or out of the country, we'll Skype them in or FaceTime them or anything like that so they can be there. Why not? 
So let me look here randomly and pick somebody. All right, landing on 9-989, December 22nd, 2016. Heading reads, Sir, five stars. Comment reads, Brill, great host, great podcast, real great show. Thank you so much, 9-989. You are a winner. And that wraps up part one of our podcast. I just wanted to thank my incredible partners, starting with Aquatrue, the revolutionary miniature countertop water purification system that works straight out of the box. Plug it in, fill it with tap water, and immediately turn your faucet into your favorite bottled water for pennies. You can get $100 off when you go to industrystandardwater.com and just type in the promo code BEAR and start enjoying the best water you've ever had and never buy another bottle of water again and i killed jfk the groundbreaking film about the only living person who admitted to killing kennedy go to ikilljfk.com buy the film and the rare interviews with five of the last living experts and i guarantee it'll change your mind about what happened that day and the Air Doctor, the innovative portable air purification system which will change your overall quality of life. It instantly removes dust, pet hair, mold, pollen, flu viruses, and other contaminants circulating in your home. Normally $600, and if you don't believe me, check Amazon right now. But for a limited time, I can offer you 50% off. That's a $300 savings. Just go to airdoctorpro.com, type in the promo code Barry, and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air in the world. Thank you so much for listening, and have a great day. As always, this has been Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. And if you like the show, tell all your friends. And if you don't like the show, tell all your friends. You get all the money, drop that fancy car. All the people love you, because you're going for Life is for the dreamers, they it's never quite over till it all feels the same. You pick your own poison, dig your own grave down in the valley. A fortune. Thank you for listening to Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of new episodes or how to reach Barry through Twitter, Facebook, or email, go to barrykatz.com. Before you leave, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast. Leave a comment and rate it, even if you think it blows. Thank you for your support and have a great day.